0: Daily, daily, daily info
1: Mm. Daily, daily, daily info Mm. Daily, daily, daily info.
0: Daily, daily, daily info Daily info Daily, daily, daily info Daily
2: info Hello and welcome to this week's Daily Info Oxcast your weekly roundup of all the best events happening in and around Oxford. It's the 2nd of September, 2015. I'm Katie, and today I'm here with Orla and Michael. Hello. Howdy. This week I'll be talking about bar billiards and ukuleles.
1: I've got bureaucracy, bumper cars and some banging tunes from the 20s.
2: And I've got castles, commemorations and charity chatting. So let's start, as we always start, with the Oxford Fact, which today is courtesy of Mike from The Office. The Oxford Fact... This week is, again, a bit of a history one. You're going to notice a theme in this week's (laughs) Cast. It's about Folly Bridge and the island, which is in between it.
0: Is it Folly Island?
2: It is Folly Island. (laughs) To give you a bit of background on the bridge that crosses over Folly Island, that was said to be the original point where oxen were driven across, and hence the name Oxford. The Folly Bridge that we know was built in 1825 and cost over £19,000 to build, which they had to make back by charging people a toll to cross the bridge. To aid the building of the new bridge, Folly Island was in fact cut and it's about a third of the size it originally was. In 1849, a uh, local eccentric accountant, Joseph Cordwell, created his own castle. You can still see it today, it's the red brick building with the white women on it.
0: <laughs> I've always wondered about this building. It's yeah. really, it looks really cool. I think it's actually like a personal house as well.
2: Yeah, I think now. it is. I think... I think I saw uh, that a few years ago it might have been up for sale, so you never know, oh. you could live there. But it's got a bit of a reputation attached to this house. Because the castle attracted so much attention, as you've already said, it's a very interesting building, a lot of undergraduates started targeting Joseph. And in, in 1851, he actually shot one. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't really hang about there too long. What were they targeting it for? Uh, I think they are trying to steal a cannon. OK, right. <laughs> um, Trophy. Yes, exactly. He wasn't charged with the shooting because it was said that the student had brought it upon himself, essentially, (laughs) because he'd spent a bit too long at a cricket club supper in Maidenhead, smoking cigars and drinking beer, and he sailed forth, proceeded to this man's house for wanton mischief and to despoil his premises for the sake of gratifying a morbid and wicked disposition. (laughs) So that's a warning to everyone. Um, The reputation of the castle did not improve, it was rumoured to be a brothel as well. Um, Luckily, in 1911, the respectable science historian Robert Gunthers, founder of the Oxford Museum of Natural History, bought the premises and hopefully brought up the reputation. (laughs) That's this week's Oxford Fact. That's very cool. I'm going to, to think about that when I'm going passing on the bus each morning and evening. Yeah, can think of all the awful things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now on to our first event of the week. Uh, this is tomorrow, uh, starting at 2 o'clock, and it's at the Lee Community, which is in Yarnton. They're going to be celebrating the graduation of 15 people who have been clean and sober and in full-time employment for a year now. Uh, the Lee Community is a residential rehab centre um, in North Oxfordshire uh, that does really, really good work and has been uh, for... A number of years so at the ceremony the uh, graduates will be giving their recovery stories and then receiving a silver embossed Lee community ring then there'll be a chance to meet the graduates and staff and tour the grounds and there'll be some refreshments available as well and it's a lovely opportunity to go find out some more about this charity support them support all these people who are graduating because it'd be really nice if there's like yeah. a yeah. big crowd there for them That's great and uh, yes, yeah, like a great achievement so the event is ticketed if you want to find out more information about the event or about the Lee community in general which is a really great cause and it's nice to be able to highlight it uh, go to leecommunity.co.uk that's tomorrow from 2 till 5 Michael you've got one of our more usual events to talk about that's also tomorrow though, don't you?
1: yeah that's right uh, coming to Oxford Playhouse tomorrow night and tomorrow night only it's an intriguing looking production Strike! is described as a collision between circus and theatre and under the direction of Kezia Saro. It's her debut show and though it seems she's got uh, loads of experience um, in the six years since emerging from RADA. So uh, this show's been touring since spring, which seems a long time ago now. Uh, but if you can imagine, a bureaucratic netherworld and choreographed commuters. I don't know, maybe you don't have to imagine, maybe that's what daily life is like for um, it, then it might give you an idea of the setting for the show. So references mentioned on the official blurb were Kafka and Terry Gilliam. It might sound dark, and it certainly starts that way, but the darkness is counterbalanced by sheer joy of movement, really. Kind of brought some things about Curious Incident to mind for me, because it really makes a virtue of this boxy enclosed space, um, using very few performers five and because of the breathtaking way they use and launch themselves off the props mm-hmm. so the strike of this title uh talks about breaking out of the nine to five uh, precisely how this happens in the show remains to be seen but the acrobatics the, the visual humor and ingenuity make this look pretty special actually orla you'll be there tomorrow night um what yeah. are you looking forward to
0: um, well, I've, yeah, I I've got some opt-in tickets, which is very cool, um, which uh, some people will probably know about. If you're under 26, you can get a pair of free tickets to a Playhouse show each month, oh, yeah. um, so there may still be some available for that. Um, yeah, I will be going along tomorrow. I'm looking forward to the fact that it's only an hour. I know that sounds, <laughs> I don't know, like I'm not looking forward to it. I really am, but I do also enjoy you know, a, a short theatre piece that means you can uh, still go and um, do something else afterwards, yeah, so sure. it doesn't take up your whole
1: evening, so... They seem to be expending a lot of energy uh, in the video anyway. I'm not so sure they could they do it could...
2: for much more than an hour. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, we'll also have a review of Strike available hopefully on Friday morning, so make sure to have a look at that.
1: So yeah, that's uh, Strike at the Playhouse, uh, Thursday tomorrow evening at 7.30, and tickets are from £11.50 to £18.
0: Yet another event tomorrow night, though. Uh, this is uh, not far away, it's at the New Theatre. The Ukulele Orchestra of Great Britain are going to be performing... Um, They have been going for 30 years now, which is uh, pretty amazing. They performed at New York's Carnegie Hall, Sydney Opera House, Royal Albert Hall, and I saw them in the Warwick Hotel in Galway in Salt Hill in 2006 um, as part of Project 06, which was like the alternative arts festival, kind of rival arts festival going on that summer. Mm -hmm. Um, They were amazing. They play songs from Teenage Dirtbag to Good, the Bad and the Ugly, and then at the end of the show they usually all end up playing one ukulele. Um, there's about eight of them, and they play um, different-sized and tuned ukuleles. So one is kind of guitar-sized, but mm-hmm. it is a bass ukulele, so only four strings. Mm-hmm. And I guess whatever particular tuning for a ukulele. They also wear the proper orchestra attire, so black tie and evening wear. Um, but it's and they're they're very kind of earnest, but also tongue-in-cheek. They strike a really nice balance. So yeah, they're going to be at the New Theatre. They're touring at the moment. Uh, it's tomorrow at 7.30 and tickets are £26.15. pence.
2: I love their cover of Wuthering Heights. Oh, oh, they're so good. They make me so happy.
0: <laughs> Do look, check them out on YouTube as well if you don't get a chance oh, to go. They're
2: so good. <laughs> from musical plucking to flower plucking. Oh, very good. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> there is a flower arranging course happening every Friday from 1 till 3 and 3 till 5 where you can learn the art of Ike Banner. Ikebana is the Japanese art of flower arranging, which is over six hundred years old. It's known in Japanese as "living flowers" or "the way of the flowers." It's said to bring together art and humanity, and aims to create beautiful shapes, lines, and forms. It's quite minimalist, but it's very, very few flowers, but arranged very precisely. So you can attend these courses um, there are regular groups every Friday but you can also attend personal classes um, and you can learn European flower arranging or Japanese flower arranging depending on what you like. During the classes there's tea, encouragement and cakes. <laughs> they also run one-off sessions so you, maybe if you want to go flower arranging for a hen party or just for a bit of fun. That's a really nice idea for a hen party. Actually. It is a nice idea <laughs> it's a bit it's a bit different. Lady who leads the class, Diana Chikako-Maita, um, has had over 20 years of experience. She's the vice president and exhibition organiser for the Japanese Flower Arrangement Society and a prize winner at Hampton Court Flower Show.
0: It's all right.
2: Yeah, it's, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever won any prizes for your flower arranging? Uh, not yet. Not yet? No, not yet. <laughs> there is yet time. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure yeah. I will. Plenty of time. Anyway, if you want to learn how to... Learn the Japanese art of flower arranging, lessons start at £10 and booking is essential. So that's Friday from 1 till 3pm and 3 till 5pm. If you'd like to find out more information and book your place on a class, please go to the Diana Floral Design website. To find information about any
0: other events and many more that we won't be talking about in this Oxcast as well, go to dailyinfo.co.uk
2: slash events.
1: If you fancy forming an orchestra uh, consisting only of your favourite string instrument, then you can check out our musicians' instruments and kit column.
2: And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, which is available on iTunes. On to the weekend now.
0: And first event of the weekend is the 14th Headington Beer Festival, which is going to be at the Mason's Arms. The Mason's Arms, by the way, is an amazing pub. It's one of my favourites. It won 2014 Oxford City Pub of the Year from Camera. They have darts, billiards, Aunt Sally in the garden, a huge outside garden. Um, it's the type of pub that has a quiz and a meat raffle during the week as well. Oh. It's a proper pub. Um, it's in Headington Quarry. And over all three days of the weekend, Friday to Sunday, they're going to be having a beer festival. So they're going to have 45 real ales, 15 ciders and a Belgian bar. So Belgian-only beers as well. Cool. A barbecue pig roast and live music each day of the weekend. So on Friday it's going to be going from 5 till 11, Saturday 12 till 11 and Sunday 12 till 10.30. So go down any time. I'm sure they're going to have plenty stocked up so they're not going to run out. But yeah, definitely try and get to the Masons this weekend. It's obviously free entry and then you pay for your beers as normal.
2: That's amazing. They've mm-hmm. got Belgian beers there.
0: Yeah. That's really exciting. <laughs> the Gosh. Belgians do know how to make their beers. Are they,
2: oh, they really do. Yeah, So strong. <laughs> <laughs> If you fancy something a bit more history focused at the weekend, the Dragon School are holding their World War I commemoration event on Sunday the 6th and Monday the 7th. That starts at 3pm until 6pm and then there's a lecture in the evening. 83 old dragons and masters gave their lives during the war, so to celebrate their lives and their sacrifice, the Dragon School will be giving you the opportunity to experience what life was like during the First World War. There's a replica tank, which would be quite interesting, very different to the tanks from the Second World War, sort of more Mm. rounded. There's an expert on hand, so you can ask him anything about trench warfare or military things in general. There's also going to be a genealogist, so you can talk to them about your family history and seek advice. There's Refreshments are available in the Essence of Vintage Tea Room. There will be poetry readings, basic training for children from Colonel Parsons, and the opportunity to hold World War I objects and dress up as a soldier. From 6.15 you'll have the opportunity to go attend a lecture by Sir Anthony Selden, the former master of Wellington College, and he'll be talking about public schools and the Great War, the generation lost. He is the author and editor of over 30 books, and the authorised historian for 10 Downing Street, which I didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. On Monday, starting at 6.15, Desmond devette will the Dragon Register, will be talking about Skipper's War, 1914-15, Skipper Lynham was the former Head of History and Housemaster during the First World War, and he wrote down an account of his time as headmaster during the war. From 3pm to 6pm is free entry to the event, but they suggest £10 to attend the lectures, I think all the money raised will go towards Dragon School. So that's Sunday and Monday from 3pm till 6pm and the lectures start with some drinks at 615
1: Zooming on to next week now, for all of us wondering how on God's green earth it's September already one of the joys of this much maligned month is St. Giles' Fair. Yay! Yay indeed. Up and running and stopping traffic again (laughs) (laughs) next Monday and Tuesday. Um, So there's the the general candy floss, crowds, vertical inducing rides. It's on quite a quite a big scale, um, as it has been throughout history. Um, even in the thirties, had Benjamin writing about it. You can read Jan Morris on it as well. Uh, didn't have such a good time, so it's it gets a little bit nightmarish and surreal. Ignore. Um Legend and Wikipedia both have it though that uh Queen Elizabeth the at uh, the fair when she was visiting Oxford and the dates check out that she was there when it would have been on but it is before the earliest record of, of the fair itself.
0: Yeah, she was staying at St John's, wasn't she? So she she'd been able to overlook it.
1: Yeah, and I'm <laughs> sure she would have, knowing Queen Elizabeth as the first as I do, she probably would have um, nipped out and hopped on a waltzer or something. Yeah. But the earliest record of the fair, for real, um, comes thanks to an incident in the session rules of James I, in which someone swore six insufferable oaths and got fined Details not forthcoming as to what these oaths uh, So at that point it was still known as the wake, St Chaz's wake Later as the feast, a bit more of a sit down affair And finally in the late 18th century, a fair, as they had toys on display and for sale But by the time they had the, the rides and amusement for adults, the public lariness was on the increase <laughs> Such that some called for the fair to be stopped. But fortunately, it survived through Victorian times and cross country travel, which was on the rise then, brought day trippers in from as far afield as Wales.
0: Hmm. It's interesting that it was always a celebration or, or feast because I always assumed it would be a hiring fair because the Abingdon fair is hmm. the Michaelmas fair. Yeah, didn't
1: know. Yeah, it was, I think, the parish council was responsible for helping people have fun cool. so they were like yay, yeah, let's have a fair uh, so after back to vaguely modern times after being opened by the Lord Mayor on Monday morning there are plenty of ways of being flung around at altitude a fun house unfortunately not hosted by Pat Sharp and gentler attractions for the younger kids too a note 6pm usually brings a little bit of a price increase and if the fluorescent lights and vertiginous drops leave you in need of some introvert time St Jazz's church is open to provide refreshments and some sanctuary
0: <laughs> What's your favourite bit of the fair? I quite like the shooting games
2: oh. I'm never
0: very good at them but you know I would like to think that I'm going to be and then I'm not But
2: I like the spinny rides to a certain extent Before it makes me throw up. Oh, actually, I really like the Caribbean food as well that's on
0: Moreland Street. Oh, yes. That's real That
1: The food there is great. Yeah, Yeah, I don't... Which is perhaps why I don't want to be thrown up and dying. That's Monday and Tuesday the 7th and 8th.
0: We've got a St Giles Fair feature page on Daily Info as well if you want to read a bit more about the history and find out about the traffic restrictions for this year as well.
2: If you want to avoid the noise of the fair, there is a charity conversation between Dane Stephanie... Steve Shirley and John Craven OBE called Getting to Know You which starts at 12pm on Monday the 7th at Harris Manchester College Chapel. This talk is going to see John and Steve chat about their lives and find out more about each other. So to give you a bit of background on Steve she was transported over as the child refugee on the kinder transport, age five. She was one of the first IT professionals in the early 60s and responded to the glass ceiling by setting up her own software business on her dining room table. She offered home based employment to professional women in similar situations and pioneered flexible working practices. She has now devoted her retirement to giving something back to society and she has originated and supported major projects in the field of autism. Her son's autistic so it holds a special place in our heart, and setting up the Priors Court School, Kingwood, and autism research charity, Autistica. She's also a major supporter and influencer of the Oxford Internet Institute, John Craven, as many of you might know, is most famous for the BBC children's news programme Newsround, which was the first children's news programme ever produced by British television. Other children's programmes followed before John began presenting Countryfile in 1988. He was awarded an OBE in 2000 for services to rural and children's broadcasting, and in 2011 he accepted a children's BAFTA award for Newsround, which had been running for over 40 years. This is a charity talk to raise money for Starlaker, a charity which aims to enhance the lives of those living with learning difficulties by giving them day opportunities, supported living, work development and community involvement. It's been running for 20 years and it seems like a really worthwhile charity to support. The tickets cost £46 are and are available online. I'd recommend booking in advance. The Press of the ticket also includes a two-course lunch and that starts at Monday from 12pm at Harris Manchester College. If you want something a bit more music-focused, Michael, I hear there's something pretty swinging at the Playhouse.
1: Indeed. Yeah, back to the Playhouse. And you can witness the vibe and vibrancy of 1920s New York next Tuesday as... The venue, like some kind of massive TARDIS, whisks its audience away to Harlem's historic Cotton Club. Swinging at the Cotton Club uh, this evening uh, brings the dance company, the Jiving Lindy Hoppers, together with Harry Strutter's rhythm orchestra. How cool is that name? <laughs> Harry Strutter's rhythm orchestra, featuring. The I really hope that's his real name. New one. Not, they don't even pretend on Facebook. No one in the band is called Harry Strutters. <laughs> Um <laughs> And they bring you routines made um, famous by artists such as Fats Waller, Ella Fitzgerald, Duke Ellington. The Jiving and Lindy Hoppers Dance Company. It was formed in the 80s. Um, they wanted to bring the Lindy Hop to life in the UK in its original form. So this dance came from Harlem in the 20s and it's kind of been, in a way, it's been fashion-proof. It didn't really evolve into anything else and is still popular so it survived survived different trends There was a Harlem dance company, uh, actually Whitey's Lindy Hoppers uh, which first introduced the dance to Britain when they toured the UK in the mid-30s and you can watch them in the sequence they danced for the Marx Brothers film A Day at the Races So don't let the words performance and choreography put you off too much they managed to keep the spontaneity that this dance was born out of so says the Washington Post, and so I agree. After a trip <laughs> to YouTube, and if all this gets you inspired, and you do want to participate, even though it's not really a night for participation, search search Oxford Lindy Hoppers who run classes and social dances the first Friday of every month off the Woodstock Road.
0: Yeah, I think we've got a review of those classes on the website as well. We have listings of loads of different types of dance on Daily Info as well, Um, all sorts of classes, um, whether it's like ballet or tap or capoeira, salsa, lindy hop, um, and all sorts of other things as well on dailyinfo.co.uk.
2: If you fancy setting up your own dance class, check out our Halls for Hire page to find the best venue for you.
1: And uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as Daily Info Oxford.
0: Mm. 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 Daily, daily, daily info. Mm. Mm. Daily, daily, daily info.